0: Hey humans, how's it going? Susan Ruth here. Thanks for listening to another episode of Hey Human podcast. Before I get into it, I want to acknowledge that the past couple episodes have had some major technical difficulties. I've been working really hard to try and figure them out. I never placed cords and turned dials and reloaded zoom and I think I have fixed it. Uh, Please be patient with me, and I appreciate your patience through the previous episodes. I'm doing all of this on my own, and I definitely learn in real time. Uh, I know it sounds a little ooky on some of those previous episodes, but I, I think I've fixed the problem. This is episode 383, and I had a conversation with Anthony Rizzano At 12 years old, Anthony was burned over 80% of his body, His parents were told he would not survive. He endured 43 surgeries, 134 blood transfusions, a couple months in the hospital, and the loss of his left hand. He was given last rites three times. He tells an interesting story of a memory he had while basically straddling the line between life and death. I think that's accurate. But he survived and beating every odd imaginable, he pursued his love of sports and channeled his relentless spirit into not only healing, but accomplishing incredible feats in his life, including playing football, by the way. Uh, His new book, Against All Odds, A Story of Faith, Courage, and Never Giving Up, came out this year. It was important to me to put out this episode right now. Uh, right away, highlighting something good and inspirational. Anthony's story moved me deeply, greatly. I hope it does you too. (sighs) I think humanity, we have to keep shining the light in the good places and on the inspiration because it's really hard sometimes to keep going, and to believe that love is greater and stronger than the bad stuff that goes on in the world, the horrific things that we find to do to each other. Uh, Yeah, and just know I'm lifting you up, and I know you would be lifting me up as well, and thank you for listening and for sharing this show with people. Take care of each other. Be kind. Be love. Hold each other up. Hold each other close. None of us know when our last day is. And it's scary sometimes in the world. scary a lot of times in the world. And we need each other to... Do remind people you love them, especially if you haven't talked to them for a while. And again, thank you. All right, here we go. Hi.
1: Hey, how you doing?
0: Doing fine. How are you?
1: I'm doing well, thank you.
0: Good. I like that painting behind you.
1: Oh, thank you. I appreciate that.
0: Did you do that?
1: No, no, that's just uh, something my wife had bought.
0: Oh, it's cool. Yeah, that's one of those kinds of paintings you could stare at for a while and see something different every time.
1: Isn't that the truth? That's a that's a good that's a good perspective on life. Also,
0: yeah, it's a good metaphor for how we see humans, right? Yeah,
1: yeah, it's true.
0: Do you have any questions before we start?
1: I'm excited. I just uh, just wanted to let you know I'm real excited to be here and and uh, to talk with your audience, and this is going to be really cool and okay.
0: welcome to hey human
1: hey human what's up how's it going <laughs> it's going good it's going real well uh life's good i'm happy and um i'm just excited for a lot of the things that are going on right now
0: oh good well let's jump in tell me where you were raised where were you brought up
1: i was born and raised in uh western pennsylvania uh newcastle pa which is about uh 55 miles uh north of pittsburgh uh just uh it's between pittsburgh and cleveland ohio uh so a very uh ethnic town you know a lot of uh people from uh where our family originally uh, originated in the amalfi coast in italy uh migrated to uh to newcastle in the early uh, 20th century worked in the railroad steel industry and such and um and then it's just uh the and it just was a really wonderful place to grow grow up and uh and, and be raised
0: have you been to the amalfi coast i want to go there desperately i hear it's absolutely stunning
1: you know it is stunning now i will say that i've been all around uh italy i've been to portugal i've been to spain i've been to france i've been uh, to the czech republic and to poland and all throughout eastern europe but unfortunately i have yet to make it to uh to the amalfi coast and so that's something that i really am looking for i want to do in the next year
0: good you need to go see your homeland
1: you know, we were planning on it, and uh, we went to Europe in 2017, bless you, then we went to uh, Europe in 2019, and then COVID hit, travel restrictions went on, we were supposed to go, and, you know, then all of a sudden, there was a lot of changes, so I yeah. really want to go, though, you know.
0: Well, next year, right? There you go. Yeah. Tell me, we're we're closing in on Halloween, and uh, you, your story is really... First of all, it's exceptional in my humble opinion. Secondly, it's a testament to human resilience. Uh, let's talk about Halloween, twelve years old. you. Can you talk us through that day?
1: Absolutely. Um, now this is this is interesting because, you know, the biggest uh, it, some of the dates. Okay, that took place in my life are just ironic. Um, Halloween Day 1987, uh, my buddy and I were fooling around. We were in my garage, we got caught up doing things that we shouldn't have done. Uh, we were sniffing gas and you know, trying to it just was a stupid thing for you know a 12-year-old kid to do. It was the only time in my life I ever did anything like that. And, you know, my buddy, without you know, having any type of like uh what I would consider intent. He flicked a match and my clothes set on fire. You know, I loved it. I loved the kid to this day and he admitted it later, but that's, that's, that's just, it was an accident. Okay. Uh, I was, then I was a ball flames, you know, my, my, my pants caught on fire, sweatpants, my jacket caught on fire, my shirt caught on fire. I was a ball flames all over my body. It was, uh, it was, it was quite, you know, you know, remarkable. Like I cannot even believe the way when I think about uh, what it was like to breathe in the fire and hear the crackling flames and filling my skin melt off of me. It was just—it's almost unbelievable that I could sit here with these memories. But you know, there was a peace that came over me in that fire also, uh, which was very special and and revealing. Um, I like to think that it was the Lord that was saving me, or or the presence of an angel. Um, you know whatever that presence was whether it was just a you know your mind blocking out the the pain being so severe or whatever explanation that someone wants to give it was miraculous because to feel peace in the moment of of fire is is just something that you know for that pain to be taken away so to speak um but i i got out of my garage and my neighbors saw me and they saw this this person on fire And they immediately uh, went into action. And uh, my neighbor, Mary Ryan, said to roll, roll, roll. Um, And as she was saying that, my other neighbors were looking out their back window, Mr. and Mrs. Uh, Henry and Mary Hartman. And he, Mr. Hartman, just ran to his garage. He's happened to have an army blanket in there and grabbed it. And uh, as I rolled, I rolled into that blanket and put the fire out. Um, so in the in the moments that that happened, uh, the the split seconds that it occurred, I may have been I don't know exactly how long I was on fire. Was it thirty seconds? Was it a minute? It was a long enough time to burn my body, third degree burns, eighty seven percent of my body. Um, but in that of time, my life had changed forever.
0: I, there are no words for that. I don't even know exactly what to say to that, other than how horrifying. And I'm sorry that happened to you, but I know that from reading about you that you look at it as its own gift, and we'll get into that. But in that moment, for as a 12-year-old boy, I was talking to my dad this morning, and you know, he said, Oh, what are you doing today? And I said, I'm interviewing this man and he was burned up as a little kid and almost died several times and kind of retelling the story and I said and he said well how did it happen a house fire and I said no it wasn't that I said it was kids being kids it was kids being curious and getting into things because that's what kids do and having and and as you said your friend flicked a match as a 12 year old kid in, as an adult you think how horrifying was he trying to light you on fire but as a 12 year old kid the the mind goes to there's not much there's not much impulse control so the mind goes to what would happen if i threw a match right now it's not it doesn't go through consequence
1: i agree i don't think he was trying to hurt me and, and in fact um i did have a lot of you know uh regret and and uh, animosity, especially. Later, Like not in my, when I was fighting to get back on the football field, when I was fighting for physical rehabilitation, when I was going through high school and dealing with, I didn't have time to think about, you know, my emotions or deal with it, or I was just trying to live a normal life. But then later into my adulthood, it started to catch up, you know, your mind starts to you know, it's just the way that the human condition is you put something off for so long to deal with it. And then all of a sudden it just like you, one day you wake up and you're like, what happened to me? Okay. What, what, what took place here? And, you know, I, so, you know, everybody has their different thing, you know, and I can't say that I'm holier than thou, but I will say that I have a lot of faith in God and, and I know that God saved my life. Um, You know, whether or not i believe in jesus christ whether you believe in and call god something different you call god a you you say god is buddha you say uh, god is the universe i have respect and believe that all people who are good people and love god so that's not what i'm here really to to say but i believe in jesus christ and i turn to my church and my faith to try to reconcile a lot of of my own emotions know and i'll never forget a day in uh in 2019 okay and i took my family to the pool okay uh, which was 30 miles away from my house it wasn't like a close pool it was like a pool that you had to drive to right and i dropped them off a saturday afternoon and there was a church next door and i was just feeling like i needed something to get in my spirit well i went to church came back saw where my family was sitting at the pool put my stuff down sat down on the chair not thinking twice about it who was sitting next to me it was my friend who flicked the match ironically haven't saw him in 15 years right haven't saw him in 15 years just i was praying who's sitting next to me well We had, it was awkward for a minute, but then we had a day where we played catch in the water. Our kids played together. We talked all day. And at the end of the day, we never brought up the accident, talked about our lives. At the end of the day, we hugged each other, kissed on the cheek. I told him I love you. He told me he loved me. And it was a moment of healing, like unbelievable. Now it doesn't stop there because here we go. My daughter and I. Then the next week we're thinking, oh my goodness, what a beautiful spirit's working right now. We go to we go to church on a Saturday. We never go to church on Saturday. Okay, we that day for we went to four o'clock mass. Sat in our pew and in our faith they have this. uh, You at a certain part of the mass you shake hands and say peace be with you and you offer somebody peace. Okay, well as it would turn out. The woman who turned around to say, peace be with you, at the four o'clock mass who was it? It was his mother and his father sitting right in front of me. We didn't even know they were there. Kissed on the face, had a, a, a moment. And so, call it the Holy Spirit. That's what I believe it is. Call it the human spirit. Call it the way of healing, whatever you want to assign to it it was just a beautiful beautiful moment of healing and and so i don't i don't really have any type of animosity toward my friend i love him love his family they've always been supportive it was just something that happened that uh that was unfortunate you know
0: i would say that that is a perfect example of grace
1: yeah it was a beautiful grace something that i could have never gotten on my own
0: tell me about what it was like in the healing of uh, Post fire, you're in the hospital nearly two months. Is that correct?
1: Two and a half months.
0: Hundred plus blood transfusions, thirty odd surgeries. How many surgeries
1: did you have? Well, at this time, I I know that at one point I had forty three surgeries. Um, I've had a few since then. You know, I had one hundred thirty four br- blood transfusions. I had uh, there was they said if I lived for a day, I would die in three days. If I lived for three days, I would die in three weeks of infection. I was fortunate to make it through the first night i made it through the first three nights and um and it got bad see i was burned on halloween day but then the infection got so severe uh like 10 days in that i had gangrene in my left hand and as it would turn out i would have to have the top half of my hand amputated well as fate would have it that happened on friday the 13th so now halloween on friday the 13th which is interesting my my hand is amputated and then three weeks into the uh the situation in in the hospital um i now had three bouts of sepsis uh, sepsis i had uh, my last rites given to me three times And my heart would not get regulated. My heart was beating 189 beats a minute for three consecutive days. They put me in a drug-induced coma. It wouldn't slow down. They did everything that they could do. My blood pressure was 49 over 20. My temperature was 106. They gave me every medicine that they could give me. And finally, they had to have the talk with my parents that said, look, we did it all. And your heart can't beat at 189 beats a minute. Inevitably, so we can't give him any more medication. It's just, it's he's not going to make it through the night. You know, it's just physically impossible. It would be like running a marathon continuously for three and four days. You just nobody could survive that. Well, my parents set up a vigil in in my room and uh they they packed they were kept putting ice on my wrist and my neck on my ankles they were prayed over me They're, the family everyone thought i was going to pass so all kinds of people gathered from my hometown like 70 80 people and family members they were praying all night um my my uh priest father Maro catella brought in a little Italian lady from the north side of Pittsburgh. She anointed me with this oil, whether it's from, there's, I never, I don't know where it was from. It was either from Jerusalem. Some people said it was from a crying Mary statue. I just don't know. Okay. So when I talk about it, it's like hard for me. It was a special oil. Okay. And, uh and my cousin from Chicago, named Eugene Ranieri, he sent a letter, which I found later when I was writing my book, with that was attached to a pink handkerchief with blessed oil and he said to wipe it on my face and I would survive now the little old lady anointed me and she prayed in front of my bed and that after she was done praying she hugged my mother now this is at a time when they said make funeral arrangements she hugged my mother and said your boy's going to be just fine okay now that's a pretty risky thing to say in that moment but she said your boy's going to be just fine And Eugene, my cousin, sent in his note that my parents received that day, touch my face, and your son will be healed. Well, the next morning, now they stopped with the medicine. The next morning, when I was supposed to have passed overnight, my blood pressure was stable, my heart rate was stable, my fever had gone away, and the doctor dr slater who was just he's very stoic man someone that just very stoic man i love him okay he passed away now i spoke at his uh at the when there was a ceremony uh for his passing for the burn unit um he came in and he looked under my blankets and or my my dressings and said incredible okay and i'll never forget the way he said incredible it was just with this tone, you know, and um, and two weeks later, I was on my feet taking my first step, you know. So it was just uh, remarkable the transition that happened. And uh, on Christmas Day, now another, you know, you know, holiday, so to speak, you know, definitely a holiday, you know, celebration. That's when Doctor Goldfarb came to my room and told my family the big news that I would survive. I was going to make it. I'd be able to go home. You know, so it was just uh, to think back on that time in that hospital. I did nothing except endure. I laid there. I laid there, you know, and I endured it. I was able to endure, but it wasn't in my own strength. Uh, there was lots of prayers around me. And so it teaches us sometimes when when life is the most difficult and you're, you have the most pressure on you, sometimes – you know, we run ourselves out just trying to put effort in to clear it. And there's other times that we just have to sit down and be still and let it pass and uh, and have faith in the goodness of tomorrow and it's going to come. And And that's one of those moments that taught me that.
0: When you would lose your hand, was there somebody, were you awake and aware of that or did you find that out after the fact?
1: No, I was. So what happened is when you're intubated, in like in my situation, I... They were able to take the the tube out, okay, and you know, and take and reduce the amount of medication that I was on, so that my my organs didn't shut down. So, um, I was intubated, but then they, Doctor Moy, um, who was just he had passed away too. Doctor Moy was uh, he was a great man. I remember he walked with he had a club foot, which is kind of uh, interesting to think back on. Okay, because when he would walk into your room, it you it just was a it was pronounced in his gait, like the way that he walked, you could see it. It's not so being there and uh I, I always I, I'll never forget they took me into the uh occupational therapy room and Dr. Moy came in and I was up in a wheelchair. And um my parents couldn't bear to tell. Me. Okay. And, and I'm sitting there, I was lucid. I'm obviously they were giving me a lot of pain medicine, but Dr. Moy had explained that, um, there was an infection in my left hand that it wasn't going to get better. And it was that infection was causing me to get ill in a way that was presenting a risk to my life. And, uh, and I understood what he meant. And I said to him quite like, I said, please save my life and not my hand. That's what I said to him. And, um, you know, it was, I'll never forget those moments, that conversation, that that exchange. He said it to me in a loving way, but a matter of fact way. And I understood the seriousness of it, you know, for a long time. I mean, honestly, when I lost my hand, it was the most painful because it was so swell that even in a room, like when I would have to keep it up on a, on a, a table above my bed, but like when a, a door, you're in a big hospital room, but when the door would shut, there's very small vibration. That little vibration will cause a chilling pain. But what I have learned through the years and in reconciliation of my own uh, trauma was a very important lesson about. And the lesson was that if they did not remove that part of my hand, okay, then I would have died. But my hand was already infected to the point and burned to the point where it had died, even though it was a part of me. So sometimes as we go through our lives, there are relationships that are a part of us, but that relationship died. Long before we let it go. Or it's diseased. Or it's diseased. Or there is a job that we're in that we're no longer called for. Or there's a habit that we have that is causing us illness. Or there's 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 dead or diseased parts of our life. That we have to let go of in order for us to survive and become the best version of ourselves that we can. Now, mine happened in the physical, but most of these lessons that we all have to learn haven't happened in the mental or the spiritual. And it took me a long time to let go of the notion of of, of feeling bad for, for what happened to my hand until it clicked that. You have to let go of those things in your life, even if they mean something to you, if they're causing you harm or they're poisoning the rest of your life or your future. And I think that's a lesson that we all as human beings need to understand and learn. It's very difficult at times.
0: As a kid who has a whole future ahead of them and you were a football fan and and into sports and, and wanting to play and... I think about a 12 year old boy too just to, you know on the precipice of girls and and life and all that kind of stuff what how did you come to terms with that i'm sure you had people around you trying to help you through it but nobody can really help you through that you have to be there for yourself ultimately how did you find that piece as you were going or did you not until you were an adult
1: no, well, I was blessed. Okay. So I was a kid, I developed early. So at 11 years old, I was already built like someone who was a lot older, you know? So, you know, that was the year of uh, going into junior high. I had my first kiss be- that summer. And that was really something that, you know, that's every boy, every girl remembers their first kiss. And so, you know, that was sweet. Um, you know, and then I was a pretty good athlete, you know, and and I was always playing with the kids older than me. So I was... I was pretty talented, and um, and I, I had a future in athletics. And I knew, you know, because my family, where we came from, and I just loved it, and had this aggressive nature. And on the football field, on the baseball field, I was a better football player than baseball player at the time. But um, but that's it's something that I loved. So the idea when I was in that hospital, see, I went to this. I went from elementary school in my community to a large, to a big junior high. So. These were the first two months of that junior high. So now this was the first time that I was meeting all the kids from all over town, you know, and we were just becoming friends and I was having so much fun being taken the step from elementary school to junior high. I loved it. It kind of got in my heart. So the whole time I was in the hospital, I just had this, I couldn't let go of that, that love for, you know, growing up and being one of the older kids now and the idea of, of playing sports. And so playing ball and getting back on the football field was really a calling card for me. It was really a, a passion or it was really the, the, the job or the the thing that was set out there in the future that I knew that everything that I was fighting for, everything that I was enduring during this time was something that was worth it to me. I wanted to go and walk into that ultimate destiny. That was a dream at the time. And but when you're a 12 year old, your dreams, you feel you can do anything. And and the doctors, my parents, my mom and dad, my brother, nobody ever made me feel like I couldn't. Okay. And I always believed that I could. And especially my dad, you know, my dad said to me in the emergency room, when he's when it looked the absolute worst, he came up to me and he kissed me on my forehead. He said, you don't worry about a thing. We're all going to walk out of here together. And we did. You know, so we did walk out of there, together, no matter how hard it was. So walking out of there together was said it was 0% chance. So the notion that I wasn't going to be on a football field again, you could have told me it was a 5% chance. Well, that was Way better than I had the chance of, being, of even getting out of that hospital. It was going to happen. You know, so I lived my life as a teenager and as an adolescent in this state of denial where I put a brave face on and I moved forward every single day the best that I could. And and I didn't acknowledge my limitations and I didn't acknowledge my disability and i didn't acknowledge my pain and um and you know i i had a really good time in junior high and high school i always had a girlfriend every i always did i never remember a a time where you know there i was treated different than like that you know i had some really special people in my life in junior high and high school and then i met my wife katie and in college we've been together for a long time since 1995. we've been married for now 24 years and so, uh, you know, but life is, an, is a constant up and down and a beautiful struggle. And um, the adjustment, I think that I was really blessed to have some great friends, a tremendous support system, uh, teachers who understood me, uh, coaches who may not have ever thought it was possible, but gave me a chance to start slow and grow and get and become who it was that I would end up being and gave me a chance to become whole again and um and i'm very thankful for each and every one of those people because they're they're responsible for my healing in many ways and you know they have long since maybe have passed and are gone in my life you know or you know life changes but they made a difference to some young boy back in 1987 to 1993 and that young boy is now a grown man who is uh, very thankful for it.
0: You spoke of your ability to compartmentalize and not really think about the emotional or maybe the PTSD of it all. And that as an adult, you were faced with that and having to understand it and what it was. How did that catharsis come about?
1: Well, it, you just, um, it, the thing about it is, as a kid, when you're on a football field okay and you're faced with adrenaline rushes okay it's a good thing right you know when when you're going through physical therapy and you're having to reach your arms above your head and hands and break the skin under your and to just to straighten up and to stand and you go through these massive adrenaline rushes and tears are coming your eyes and people are celebrating that Right? They're like, wow, look how strong this kid is. You know, now as an adult, when you're going through stressful moments and this adrenaline comes out, and you in that same adrenaline rush happens, it's all of a sudden manifests itself in terms of anger or depression. And you don't know how to handle it. Sometimes the switch goes off and you're in a moment, you're like, what is going on here? Okay. And so you know you have to be reflective, and I can say that I am reflective. Now, going through such trauma, you can't. You have to learn to. At one point, you have to say to yourself, "I forgive myself for what I went through. I forgive God for what I went through. I forgive my parents for what I went through. I forgive all the person, uh, the the problem, and then only then, and only then can you." start to find some peace. Now, when you also recognize that this is a part of your character, like I have, I can't say that I don't have PTSD because it's not, I don't choose to. Just like if you have a broken leg, you can't say, ah, you know, I no longer have a broke, my leg's not broke. I can't hope myself out of there. Okay. But what I can do is understand the circumstance and understand that, you know, someone faced with such trauma now their brain lets off different chemicals in different situations that you have to understand that and know how to dial yourself back so it's a lifetime struggle and i'm not here to say that you know i have better control today and i've and i'm and i'm a good human being i'm a loving husband and father and but i'm here to also say That when you, that people, we go through things, we have to learn to understand ourselves, cope and, and understand that, Hey, I am who I am. And I have to keep myself in a position where I am being good to people always. And, and I accept myself and I see those situations when I start to get a little bit nervous or stressed. That's when I walk away, you know? That's when I feel that moment coming on. That's when I get out of the conversation. When I feel that situation, that's when I remove myself from the relationship. And that's just, um, and that's, and so now at the age of 48, I'm able to deal with things a lot better than I was maybe when I was uh, 25, you know, so.
0: Do you get the phantom fingers that people talk about who lose limbs? Do you feel any
1: of that? Um. Not really you know they i did earlier in my life i i had maybe some feelings but you know i'm an athlete you know so i could catch a ball uh i could i put a glove on my hand i could play catch with my son that was one of the most beautiful healing moments of my life when the first time i put on a glove with him when he was 7 and just playing catch normal at this point you know 36 years removed from my accident it's uh you know my left hand is it's pretty. I'm pretty good. I mean, I could hit a golf ball 250 yards, you know, and um, you know, and I have had some some really good blessings in terms of of learning about myself, uh, what my capabilities and limitations are, um, and learning how to dial that energy that is is uh, that drove me. Because people either have a fight or a flight instinct, right? You know, that's that's who we are when we're faced with adversity and trauma, we either are going to fight or we're going to run. Okay. Why well, have a fight mentality. When you have that and you learn how to dial it in to your business endeavors, to to control it in the way that you approach your work environment and you live with passion in your relationships and the way that you raise your kids and the way that you teach them that is a difference maker in other people's lives. So earlier in my life, when I didn't have that control of, of my own emotions and deal, earlier in that day, in those days, it would be a negative consequence. But now pushing things in, and understanding how to live with one hand and understanding how to deal with uh, the things that I deal with now, it's, it's really fueled a lot of the growth I've had in my life and that I share with other people.
0: When Halloween comes around, do you find yourself getting more anxious or are you now at a point where it doesn't affect you like that?
1: I did for years. Yeah, I really did, honestly. And and it was through writing this book that that really uh, that changed my perspective. I shed so many tears. In writing this book, I mean, if you, if you've read the book, um, it is a really detailed analysis of everything that I went through. So you read it; it's you can almost feel the pain at times, and you could you can almost feel what it was like to go through everything, and and you realize how raw it was. That the, my writing is raw, and you feel it. Well, when I was writing it in that fashion, I also felt. it. Which would cause tears to come down my face almost every day for two years. Very lucky to have people that I worked with on the process that, that helped me. And, and, uh, and it was in tackling that process that I started to recognize these days, this Halloween day as a different, as different. Instead of it being the worst day, it gave birth to this new me. Okay, Um, that day is the day that I went through a metamorphosis. Uh, A lot of 12 year olds transfer or go through puberty at that age. And they go from a a boy to a man or a young girl to a a young woman and, and their bodies change. And they mine was just so pronounced, okay, that now I feel that it's a gift. It's a gift that I get to talk to other burn patients and other people who've gone gone through uh, serious accidents, injuries, uh, people who battled addiction, people who've gone through the loss of a loved one, or or somebody who's just building a business in his face and a really hard time getting where they want to be. And I get to tell them and inspire them and talk to them about what my own dilemmas were, my psychological, physical, All the dilemmas were. I get to be honest with them, and I get to tell them, "Look, there's another side. Okay, there's another side to this. Okay, there's a place that you're gonna be, you're gonna go, and here's how you get there. Here's your roadmap." And that I found that that that's why now being in this unique position where I can share these things, and I could be a part of someone's life, and I could tell them it's okay if you have PTSD. It's okay if you feel like it. Sometimes you're overwhelmed and you can't get yourself to calm down. It's okay because now that you understand that, you can now have the ability to master that and use it for positive change in your life. And that, I feel that that's a real blessing to have that, to sit in that seat.
0: Yeah. And the book is called Against All Odds.
1: Yes. And Against All Odds, a uh, a story of faith, courage, and never giving up. And it's, a, it's just an amazing book. When you read it, I think that you will just love it. We were very fortunate to be published by Wiley, a, a large international publishing company. I was very fortunate to meet a uh, you know, lady named uh, Charlie Fusco, uh, who's my literary agent, and I now consider her my mentor. Uh, she taught me so much about uh, having gratitude and in the way that when you start to think about it, you know, you let go of that uh, unforgiveness and you start to believe and in, in, in be thankful and have gratitude for all the things in your life as your perspective changes. And and those are uh, these are all very positive lessons. And, you know, and it's just beautiful what what comes out of writing, the writing this book. But, you know, the stories that are coming back to me now of the conversations that I'm having with people who are calling me and saying, I read your book. I'm getting messages on linkedin i'm getting messages on facebook i'm getting messages on instagram random emails from my website uh telephone calls to my business where i'll be on the phone with someone i never met for an hour or more talking about this story and how it affected them i was talking to a guy yesterday he's a president of a a title company in, in north carolina he called me he says listen he goes when i read the story about your dad saying looking in your eyes and saying take my strength it crushed me he said it broke me is the words he used because i could just see my son in and having that moment with him and and it just showed me the importance of being a good dad you know and then i had another guy call me who you know he told me listen he goes i read your book and i gotta tell you that i i grew up in a good family in a middle-class neighborhood but then i found myself on drugs, he I I found myself addicted to to pain medication. He goes, and pretty soon I was living at the uh, at the shelter. I had a garbage bag full of clothes. He goes, I looked myself. I said, "Where am I?" He goes, now today, I make one hundred fifty thousand dollars a year. I'm a partner in two different businesses. I'm married with two kids. He goes, and I came from that addiction to this place. And I read your story, and all your story is different identify with what you went through in such a profound way you know and i can just go on and on and on about the conversation i had a lady call she said that she lost her husband her husband was a teacher and her husband was her life and and she loved him so much but saw him suffering for so many years he could hardly eat he had a feeding tube in and she said that reading your story it gave me hope on understanding that there was a spirit that saved you your pain Helped me to in my faith to understand that my husband's in the right place, and that if I can just live through and adapt, that that my life is going to be better too. So, having the opportunity to write this book against all odds and share this message of hope with people, and and tell and they get that, and it, it's just very very special. Okay.
0: It's hard to believe people can endure the things that they endure and get to the other side, and with you to get to the other side and have so much understanding of of yourself and uh, be able to articulate it in a way that it leads others to that same kind of peace so it's really it makes you wonder about the whole web of things
1: it's true because it, you know the the fact of the matter is is that i'm just i uh, i'm just a guy who was born in a small town in western pennsylvania Um my mom when i was growing up was a beautician she made 300 dollars a week okay my mom and dad went through a, a terrible divorce and they loved each other but they couldn't be married to each other right I, i'm just a kid who grew up wanting to play football and truthfully i'm no special than more special than any other person on this planet i'm just a human being you know and i was just faced with some extraordinary circumstances and I was given this blessing and grace by God of, of healing, you know, and through it all, I fell many times. I fell yesterday. Okay. I fell today. Okay. I will fell. That's what I, that life is all about. So I can't say that, you know, this journey is over or it's even been perfect from here on out, but I could say the lessons that I've learned is that we all fall down. And the idea that our government leaders are perfect, or the people in the public eye are perfect, or, or these people live these, it's not true. None of it's true. What's true is they fall every day, that you get up every day and you fight again. And, you know, we're all going to have battles. And every time you step up to that next level in life, there's a new set of challenges for you that awaits you. And when you start to walk in God's will in your life, and you start to walk in you want in the universe's destiny and who you are in your best life, you start to walk the way of, of Christ or, or 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 God the Father, however you want to pronounce it, when you start to walk that way, let me tell you something. That's when it gets a lot harder. That's when the temptations are greater. That's when it's easier to give in to your own selfish desires and wants. So it's not that you ever arrive to this point in your life where, oh, I am so enlightened. At least I haven't gotten there. Okay. I hope to get there someday. But it's you don't reach this point where you're so enlightened that you no longer feel sadness or you no longer feel anger or you never talk out of line or you never... But what happens is you now get to this place where you have a little bit of remorse when you feel when you said something the wrong way, or you have a little bit of uh, of 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 gravity to your stuff that says, you know, I have to reflect on what I did and said in that moment. And you know, if you can't check yourself in this world, and you can't check uh, your own work and your own and your own behavior in in the work environment, the athletic field, no matter where you are, then somebody's gonna have to check you. Yeah, and that's the way it is. And so, you know, that's a those are a lot of the lessons that you learn along the way. And I, I'm committed to a lifetime of learning. And I hope that the listeners out there uh will will pick up my book and they'll read it. Because number one, it will help you. And number two, it's it sends a message. And number three, every time somebody reads a story, I could feel it in a way. And uh, and it also helps a little bit of my healing. So I'm giving to you, but when you're reading this, you're giving back to me. And that's something that I'm very thankful for.
0: Did you experience, and I know that you died or came close to death, near-death experience during the ordeal. Did you have any memory of that? Did you see anything or or talk to anyone during that time?
1: Well, it's almost uh surreal to talk about, okay, because you know, you just don't it's it's hard to wrap your head around. Okay. I remember when I was on fire, I had a moment where there was an extreme peace that came over me. And I remember feeling and seeing myself, okay. I I don't know how to explain it. Did I have an out-of-body experience? Does did my brain just remember it that way because it was so profound. I couldn't testify to either of those things and say that I know with certainty. I was in the middle of being on fire, burning at a thousand degrees, and my recollection of it is clear that the pain went away, and I remember seeing myself, but I never looked in the face of God, but I felt God's presence. I also remember when I was in the hospital having moments where it felt like I was walking around the hospital and it came up later in life where when I was released from the hospital, uh, my mom and I would have to go back often, and and I'd have to find my doctor's office, which was in the hospital or we'd walk, it was a big hospital and I knew my way around. (laughs) Okay. So, and my mom and I talk about this, I don't know how to explain it because I'm not crazy. Okay. Number one. And I never had a moment where, you know, I was approached by an angel. I never had a moment where I looked in the face of God. I never had a moment where my grandfather or grandmother came that never happened, but I had moments of peace and quiet. And in, in that there was an enormous amount of peace. Okay. I didn't rise up, I wasn't in the heavens, but there was a amount of peace, okay, in this moment of affliction that is almost unexplainable. So, whether you want to attribute it to a special spirit or or however you want to, to reconcile it, I don't think that it really matters, because in the end, what we learn is that in our most pain, When we're going through the hardest moment of our life, when we are on, have one foot on the side of the fence of death and one foot on the side of the fence of life, okay? If you feel a peace in that moment, then you can rest assured that there is a greater force than just the skin that you're living in. Now, I came to this conclusion through my faith, but I also have this recognition that my life was not saved for me, okay? My life was saved so that my children could be born, and there is no other reason that my life would have been saved. Okay, because if God took me and if I died at that moment, then I would have went to heaven and I would have had eternal peace. Mark Twain said, I'm not afraid of death because I was dead for billions of years before I was alive and no harm to me was done in that moment. So if I had died, I would have been in a moment of peace for for the rest of time. So if God wanted me to have that moment of peace, he could have let me have it then. But the only thing tangible that has come from me, from my flesh and blood, that will live on, are my children. So it was for them. Because if I was past, then they would, by definition, not be around today. So it was their lives that came through me. And so I understand, I've come to a lot of different understandings here through the course of of writing my book and through the course of my life, I struggled substantially with my parents' divorce. Okay. And it was always a a, a hard thing to deal with. Now, my mother, Janet, who is just this very strong person, she was the baby of her family. Well, in 1977, her father died when she was just 29 years old. Okay. In 1984, my mother and father broke up and it just devastated my mother. I now recognize that my mother being the baby in her family, and I've been able to communicate this to her, that if she did not lose her father in 1977, then she would never have been able to keep her sanity through the, her, the loss of her marriage in 1984. now, my mother and father have a, a love, they talk on the phone every day together. Okay, this day, they love each other, they're best of friends. But I also have recognized that God knew I was going to go through this accident. But if my mother didn't lose her husband and her father, and her mother, she would have never had this ability to get on her knees while I was in the hospital and say to God, listen, God, you took my father. My, you took my marriage, you allowed that to end, you took my mother, you can't have my son. I need him. And it was with that power, that powerful prayer that I cannot lose anymore that opened up the ears of God to save my life in a situation that was unexplainable. And I know that my father, who's my best friend, We've had our times where we weren't, but he's my best friend. He's the strongest man I know on the planet, okay? He is, but I know for certain that my father, if he didn't have that little bit of guilt saying, ah, you know, I wish I wouldn't have left. Maybe this wouldn't have happened if if our marriage didn't break. If he, He wouldn't have been able to get on his knees with the same authority and to say, God, I know I made a mistake but don't cost, don't let this boy lose his life. He wouldn't have been able to pray the same prayer and give me the same strength. And them coming together to love me in that emergency room wouldn't have meant as much if it was a daily dinner. So what I learned is all the suffering that we go through in our lives, all that suffering. It's building us for a moment that we're going to need in the future, a strength that we're going to need to rely upon or an ability to call on God in a way that we couldn't had we not gone through that suffering. And I've learned that, which made me able to forgive for the divorce and forgive for the loss. Because now I realize that in my own suffering, I'm able to be here with you and I'm able to sit here and say, I'm still standing and give you the strength to know that no matter what you've gone through, no matter what suffering it is you're still standing. And if you're out there hearing me feeling bad about your circumstance, feeling bad about that breakup, feeling bad about that addiction, you're feeling bad about the losses that you had in your life, just understand you're still standing. And that's the power in suffering. So it's not otherworldly. It may be from within but let me tell you something. It's true and it's righteous and it's correct. Forgive everyone you can. Be glad for every circumstance you had. Be thankful for all that you're given and you can move on and you can tell the story. I'm still standing. And on that note, just never give up.
0: Tell everyone where they may find you.
1: Well, you could um, go to our website is uh, www.AnthonyRosano.com. And that's A-N-T-H-O-N-Y, Rosano, R-A-Z-Z-A-N-O. Here's my, my book. Here's the, the correct spelling. Against uh, all
0: odds, they can't see it because the audio podcast.
1: Okay, 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 okay. It's on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, uh, Walmart, Target. You can buy it on my website. Um, I'm sure the the website, again, is www.AnthonyRosano, A-N-T-H-O-N-Y-R-A-Z-Z-A-N-O.com.
0: And you have an Instagram?
1: I have an Instagram, I Anthony.Rosano. You could visit uh, my Facebook, Anthony Rosano, and I have a a, Insta- a Facebook page, Against All Odds, as well.
0: And I'll put links to everything on HeyHumanPodcast.com, so it's easy for people to get to if they need thank you for listening everyone this is a real special episode Uh, it's a good reminder I think all of us are going through something and it's so hard to remember to hang in there and that we can get back up again you know fall down nine get up ten so thank you for being on the show
1: thank you I've really loved it this is actually one of the best experiences that i've had on a podcast yes i i just find that uh you're outstanding and um uh, and if there's anything i could ever do for you please let me know
0: thank you so much anthony
1: all right we'll talk soon take care bye-bye yeah. Bye
0: Rate, review and subscribe to hey human on itunes or wherever you get your podcasts thanks bye